Okay, so hi, today I'm doing the interviews. It's kind of a switch up um, and we are almost done with this series and our last episode today is going to be on Laura Broxton from the National Animal Rights Association. Hi! <laughs> Who is uh, the founder of NARA and she is also my partner in, in crime and in life. So um, thanks for being here, Laura. <laughs> of course, it feels strange being the interviewee now instead of the interviewer. <laughs> yeah. Um, today we're going to talk about burnouts because how long have you been an activist now? I've been an activist for 17 years. Yeah, that's a really long time. And I, I knowing you, 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 you just keep going. Like there's been no breaks in that 17 years. You've literally been an activist for 17 years. And what I also wanted to ask you is questions about how to start up your own group because I find that is going to be very helpful for new activists watching or even activists who um, have different ways, different tactics, and they want to start up their own thing. So, um, well, how did you go vegan and why did you go vegan and when did you go vegan? <laughs> Okay, so I went vegetarian first when I was 12, um, and it was just because of my love for animals. My parents um, had a big animal sanctuary, and, you know, it just didn't make sense for me anymore to be loving the animals we cared for so much, and then coming in and eating another animal. Um, so for me, when I was 12, I connected the dots, went vegetarian, my parents went vegetarian with me. And then a year later, it was actually my mom um, had read a book which talked about veganism. And so she was the, uh, the one to suggest going vegan. And we talked about it. It seemed like the right thing to do. So we went vegan um, without really knowing any other vegans or knowing particularly much about animal rights. It just made sense for us. And we did it together then as a family. And then by the time I was 14, I kind of felt being vegan wasn't enough and that to make a difference you have to get out there and get active so that's what started my journey into activism anyway very good do you do you remember your first protest yeah it was um at the spire with the kind of um pizza group at the time it was a, a protest about circuses and <sighs> it was just kind of you know, flyers and things like that um, so that was my first ever protest and then my second ever protest was actually outside a, a circus and the majority of the activists there were attacked. And oh my god. And uh, that was like my second ever protest and then it resulted in a court case and me having a, as a 14 year old having to go in to guard the stations and give statements and things like that so it was um, a very uh, jolting introduction to activism definitely. Yeah, that's pretty shocking. Um, so with that, um, when did you start up NARA and what made you start up NARA? Were you a part of any other groups before that? Yeah, I got involved in a lot of um, local and international groups um, in Ireland. And by the time I was about 15, 16, I was already running anti-fur campaigns. Um, Dublin used to be full of boutiques selling fur. And one by one with campaigning, we got them to adopt fur free policies. So I kind of started off primarily campaigning against fur. And then um, I, over time, just kind of felt that other groups I was involved with didn't exactly align with my ethical concepts or tactical concepts. 
and that's what began NARA in uh, 2007. Wow, okay, so how many years ago is that? Because I'm really bad at math. Is that 13 or 14? 13 years ago. 13 years ago. Wow, okay, so NARA's been running for 13 years. Um, and was it easy starting up NARA? It, it was and it wasn't. I mean, you know, most of, when, when I started NARA, I paid for probably the majority of the materials myself, made all the materials myself. There was only a handful of us at the time. But I felt that it was the best way um, for me to be the best I could be. Um, and having a little bit more say over what I did campaign wise and uh, mission statements and things like that. So it was a little bit tough at the beginning. And I remember, you know, one of the first campaigns we had was to ban fur farming. And there was times I was outside the Department of Agriculture by myself. And that was um, and when you're still a teenager as well, that can be a little bit kind of, I guess, embarrassing or upsetting or whatever. But I remember thinking that, well, I don't care if it's me by myself. I know it's the right thing to do. And, you know, the, the world will catch up. So it didn't put me off, but it, it was tough at the time. Yeah. And um, so what was the first thing you did? Was it picking out a name? Um did you set up a website for NARA in 2007 or what were the steps to making a group? Well, I, I, it took me about a day or two to think of the name because so far I had been primarily Dublin based with campaigns. So I wanted something that kind of had a bit of a catchy name, but also represented a nationwide effort for animal rights. Yeah. So I came up with the National Animal Rights Association um, and then I bought the domain name um, I set up MySpace if you can remember MySpace and Bebo and all that um, and then later on did the Facebook so it was a slow gradual step in terms of social media um, but the main thing was at the beginning was just putting up the website making sure I had as much facts on each different issue as possible getting leaflets printed and just getting ourselves out there yeah and I think one of the things that is small and helpful, and I don't think a lot of people think about it, is um, our NARA cards actually spread the word that we're an organization as well, whenever we have stalls, or whenever you're talking to a politician, um, you just giving them that card, I think makes it, you know, really official. Yeah, and I find that business cards are easy to carry around. Uh, not all situations um, will you be able to carry around placards or leaflets or fact sheets with you, but you can always shove a handful of business cards in your pocket and they are handy um, for networking um, and, you know, just, you know, an email address, website, maybe a social media link. It just makes people more inclined to keep the business card and check you out even if they don't have time to you there and then. Yeah. And um, what about NARA's first protest? Like, um, or your first time organizing a protest for new vegans or um, people who want to start protesting now, what is the first steps that they should take in order to organize one and it be successful and safe? Well, the first thing to do would be do your research and pick your target. So say if you want to protest a first shout, for example, make sure you know that they're going to be open and there on the day you pick to protest them. Um, make sure that you have a leaflet prepared, uh, some posters prepared. They don't have to be 
really detailed and they don't necessarily have to be professionally printed either um, but just make your points clear and make sure anything you put on the leaflet or the posters is factual and correct um, and then you know just start spreading the word if you don't know any vegans yet bring family and friends along as a bit of moral support to give you a hand um, and reach out to local veggie vegan groups if you have any in your area and just start small don't put too many expectations on yourself like don't set out to close down the first shop that day give yourself some time to build up the campaign build up momentum and then you'll be in the the right circumstances then to be able to, to maybe have meetings uh, get them to adopt for free policies or if not then yeah let's shut them down that sounds good and i think um as activists as well you are kind of doing something political so um we have had times where like guards show up at our protests just to um, see what we're doing. And would you advise new activists to be prepared for that and know their rights? And what are some of the ways that they can learn this information as well? Absolutely. Um, like, I guess I have to sort of learn the hard way with protests uh, without really fully knowing uh, all my legal rights and public order acts and things like that. I had to just learn from experience how to deal with guards, but it's definitely worth um, going over the public order act and reading up on what you are and aren't entitled to if a guard approaches you at a protest. And what we have, we have a set of links um, and guides that we can send people. So if anyone wants them, email us info at narrowcampaigns.org. Um, and they're just little fact sheets on how to deal with guards and um, to make sure that you stay safe. Um, but I would say when dealing with a guard, the most important thing is stay calm and realize that most of them don't know the ins and outs of the laws and what they can and can't do. So if you stay calm, make sure you maintain eye contact, don't show any weakness or fear or anything like that. You know, be strong, be firm, uh, but be civil. A lot of them will back down. Like I've been threatened with arrest dozens of times and I can always talk myself out of it because I know what I can and can't do and most guards don't. Yeah, they smell fear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that's kind of like um, setting up your own groups and starting your own protests. And how did you manage to keep this going for so long? Have you ever felt um, like giving up or felt disheartened and just want to stop it because nothing's going right? Well, I mean, nothing would make me stop or give up. But in terms of feeling disheartened, like I want the world to go vegan yesterday to me no change happens quick enough and i find that really frustrating to deal with and you know if i watch any new undercover documentaries or even see something very graphic about new campaigns you know i find that hard to have to kind of deal with and look at and think about but i i try and use my upset and my rage into action so for me you know stopping is is not an option for me and I've just learned over the years to incorporate activism in all its forms into sort of my daily life so for me activism is a part of who I am and it's 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 routine for me at this stage to be thinking about it like all day every day so 
So, you know, I may not be protesting every day, but I'm answering emails or posting on social media or, you know, having discussions with politicians, that kind of thing. And for me, even though I don't see the results as quick as I want them to, I can see positive changes made every year. And I need to be a, a part of making that happen in the hopes that it will move along quicker. So uh, being an activist, it, it does take its emotional toll. Um, and you do have to sometimes just switch off in your mind and not think about these things to be able to cope and move forward. But I find that, you know, when you have a, a supportive partner and parents and family like I do, um, it's, it's easy to stay strong, vent when you're not feeling strong and be able to cope and move on. Um, but I definitely think it's support system is essential. And if you don't have that within your family or friend circle, you will definitely get it in the vegan community. So if you're a new activist, you're having a hard time, reach out because we all know exactly how you feel and we're going to have ways to help you deal with it. Yeah, wow. Wow, that's said really perfectly. Um, so maybe in a quick sentence, what, what would you tell an activist um, to stop them from burning out? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I just say that like for burnout, I think it tends to happen when an activist is getting overwhelmed or burdening themselves with too many things. So if, if you're feeling overwhelmed with being, say, maybe the sole organizer of protests, take a step back and voice this to your, to your comrades and get someone else to, to take over for a while. If you need to take a, a break, that's okay. Um, I also think burnout can happen because activists don't express it in their community and they just keep going until they just can't take it anymore. So express it. Don't be overwhelmed, you know, even though as activists we feel the burden of the world's wrongs, none of it is our fault. So just keep that in mind. And even if it means, you know, doing something once a week or once a month until you feel able to, to get back to where you were, that's okay. Yeah. But just voice, voice the concerns and get support from your community because it is there. Yeah, yeah okay. And, um, with your activism, how has it changed over the years? Um, I suppose in terms of technology, hugely. <laughs> um, I've gone from like using Bebo and MySpace to, you know, we have our Facebook page, our Instagram, Twitter, um, and we have better cameras and we use GoPros, spy cams. Um, we've learned how to protect ourselves a little bit better that way. Um, so although we are still 100% DIY and grassroots, I feel every year I learn how to be a little bit more um, effective and a little bit more prepared in terms of how to keep us safe. Yeah, I think um, especially in our group, because we do sometimes take on some really difficult campaigns, um, one of the things that we found very beneficial to us is recording each protest we do just to keep us safe from not only violence but also um, being slandered by the industries we're trying to take down. Sometimes um, the opposing side will like to come out and say we've done um, 
X, Y, and Z, and we can show them. Actually, no, look, we have it recorded. We didn't do any of that. So that's been really helpful um, to have. I think yeah. we're living in an age where everything can be recorded and uploaded right away. And, and it's been helpful for us, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's been a lot of situations where without recordings, we would have no evidence of anything one way or the other. Um, so it's definitely, definitely been a huge help. And for anyone starting up, get a GoPro, you know, uh, or get a camcorder, get something so you have uh, protection for yourself. Yeah, and I also think um, with the technology we have, raising funds couldn't have been easier, right? Yeah. Like, how does NARA um, pay for the materials that we have? Well, at the, at the moment, um, you know, we're stuck on lockdown, so we're not spending a lot. But our, our fabulous patrons are still donating so that when we're able to get back out on the streets, we will have enough money to keep us going with leaflets and things. But we rely completely on donations. We're a 100% voluntary group. We publish our accounts every year. I have every receipt NARA has ever gotten um, since 2007. Um, and I think it's important for any new group to also, you know, be accountable for the funds that you get in and what you use them on uh, to make sure that you're fully transparent. Um, but we, we rely solely on donations and, you know, we have fabulous um, patrons who keep us going. And it is a huge help. I mean, the fur campaign um, cost, we estimated that what, five, six thousand euro for the whole campaign. Um, so, you know, it, every cent really does make a huge difference. And we also do um, donate a lot ourselves and any petrol um, that we use for our campaign tours. It doesn't come out of donations. All of us split that between us. Um, so we are very careful what we use and make sure that we use it on the right thing. Yeah, very good. And um, so I guess that would actually be something when someone is setting up a new group is to probably set up um, an account and for transparency and also so that they can get the funds that they need for the materials because it can be a bit pricey paying out of pocket. Yeah, definitely. Um, set up a bank account. Um, it's, it's a club or a society account. That way you have a couple of people as co-signatories. It means you need two people to take out any funds. And then the bank obviously gives you statements uh, all the time and you can keep a record of what comes in and comes out. And, you know, I, I don't know if many people actually look at our accounts and expenditure lists and things like that, but I feel better having them and having them online so that if anyone wanted to, it's all there. Yeah, that is really good. And, um, Following from the question I asked with how has your activism changed, um, not just technology-wise, but also with other causes, I noticed that NARA over the years have been getting involved in more um, human rights issues. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as an organization, we were always uh, consistently anti-oppression, but we've gotten more involved in human rights campaigns over the years, particularly um, the repeal campaign. We organize weekly Vegans for Choice events um, and we support um, any events that are about Green Palestine, for example, or anti-racism events, um, anti-war. You know, I think it's very important to make that overlap happen. And, you know, for, for us, anything that we do in terms of human rights campaigns um, and other political activism, 
it's because it's the right thing to do. We're not expecting uh, the other groups to then turn around and support us. I mean, it just so happens that some of them actually do. And, you know, other groups that we're involved with are now starting to ask questions about vegetarianism, veganism, and getting involved in being concerned about animal rights issues. But it's important when you're showing solidarity to make sure that it is for the right reason. So that's not for a pat on the back for us. It's not for us to, to show off that we're there because we recognize another campaign that is worthy of support and time and effort. And for us, we're just delighted to be a part of these things in any way we can. Yeah, very good. And I'm actually really happy that um, this group is doing things like that because um, I feel represented in NARA in a way because I am a person of color. Um, so I wouldn't be able to be in any other group that wouldn't make a stand and say we stand against racism. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's important that in a, any group you join that you feel that it's a safe space and that everyone's voice is equal. And that's extremely important. So, you know, we are a non-hierarchical organization. Uh, every opinion counts. And it has always been that way and always will be that way. Yeah, and I think also when I'm thinking about it, um, new vegans and people who are wanting to start up their own group can take a bit from this with um, putting out um, a mission statement like what NARA has, that we don't tolerate any of these people in our group so that it is a safe place for other people, for minorities to join your group. Yeah, definitely. Setting up a, a mission statement um, from the beginning is very important because it lays down the groundwork for who you are as a group. Um, and it makes people more inclined to approach you about things if they already know where you stand on these issues. So, you know, if anyone wants to check out the, the NARA website, it's narracampaigns.org. If you see anything you like on the website, whether it's information, whether it's parts of our mission statement or whatever, use it. Everything we have has always been available for those to share. So um, education and knowledge is key and it's power. So if anyone wants to check out our website and you're thinking of starting your own group, take anything you want. <laughs> well, that's great. And uh, what's the current campaign that NARA is working on at the moment? Our main campaign at the moment is the campaign to ban hair coursing. Um, so already we've gotten support from a number of TVs, primarily Paul Murphy of RISE, who is proposing a bill to ban hair coursing in Ireland. And um, we're hoping that it will get through first stage uh, by the end of the summer. So that's looking really promising. And um, for us, you know, as, as soon as we can get back out in the streets, we're going to be starting campaign tours again, obviously socially distanced. We're going to have masks, hand sanitizer, gloves for everyone to, to have. Um, but we need to get back out there. We're doing um, ad campaigns about it at the moment as well. It's really important, uh, especially following from the ban on fur farming, that we keep things going in terms of legislation. So we need this ban on hair forcing this year. And then I'd also view this as our window into banning fox hunting. So that's going to be next. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and what would you say uh, to someone who's vegan and someone who wants to start activism but isn't quite ready to make the big um, commitment to protesting all the time? What are other ways that they can get involved and be a big help? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a, a very good point. Like, you know, protests aren't the be all and end all of activism. Um, what can be really helpful is writing a letter to your local TD or your local county council. It can be sharing information on your own social media pages amongst friends and family. It can be writing a letter into a newspaper. It can be sending some texts into a radio station. If there is a, a debate being had about these issues, you can take all of these steps. And with activism, everything works in getting to the end goal. I don't see one form as activism as better or worse than the other. They're all integral parts in making change happen. So start where you're comfortable with, and then pretty soon you're gonna find yourself interested in attending a protest maybe, or doing a leaflet drop. Uh, but start small, start in your comfort zone, and take it from there. And if you have any questions, ask your local group. I mean, you know, activists uh, and vegans are very approachable, they're very friendly, and, and you know, if you have any questions or concerns, just voice it. And you know, in Nara, when anyone new comes to a protest, we really try our best to make them feel welcome, equal, and part of the team from day one, and um, so that no one feels that kind of shyness or intimidation that I know I felt when I went to my first protest. Yeah. So start small and keep at it. Very good. And is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, just, you know, check out our website. Uh, if anyone has any questions about anything, give us a shout. Um, if anyone wants to get active in their own area, uh, let us know because we can send you leaflets. We can send you PDFs of poster designs. Um, so any questions or queries, let us know. And hopefully we'll see you on the, the campaigns uh, trail soon. Very good. Thanks, Laura. See you. Bye. Bye.